1: Gospel of John, as Jesus walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, the man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither the man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed to him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go wash In the pool of Solomon, which means sent, he went and washed and came back able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, It is he. Others were saying, No, but is someone like him? He kept saying, I am he. But they kept asking him, Then how were your eyes open? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud, spread it in my eyes, and said to me, Go to Sodom and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. Jesus heard that the Pharisees had driven him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir? Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, You have seen him. And the one speaking speaking with you is he. Uh He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus said, I came into the world for judgment so that that those who do not see may see. And those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard this and said to him, Surely we are not blind, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would not have sin. But now you say, We sin, and your sin remains. The Gospel of the Lord.
0: Let us go to God in prayer. Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts be holy and pleasing to you, that through your words for us this day, we would grow closer to you. Know and understand the word that you offer to each and every one of us and live into that word each and every day. It's in your son's name, the word made flesh that we pray. Amen. You know, it's really hard not to read this scripture and for your mind to immediately go to amazing grace. Anybody else? Amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me I once was lost but now I found I once was blind but now I see you know I, as I started preparing the sermon this week my mind just kept singing that refrain that verse over and over again and and really honestly like my mind as it came as I continued to struggle to write the sermon kept just coming down to that last line I once was blind but now I see that, that final line of this song. You know, the, the third line there, it points to the story of the prodigal son that many of us uh, might be familiar with. But the last part, really embodying the nature of this passage In fact, the entire chapter that we have before us, I saved Joanne from having to read 41 verses from John 9 today, Uh, not because I didn't want to hear it, but because I wanted to kind of concise down to where we were focusing our hearts and spirits today. Unfortunately, leaving out that middle section leaves out an important part of the story that we'll get to in a little bit. But I landed on, on these verses to begin to show us this understanding between sight and blindness between what it means to see and not see, both in a physical sense and a spiritual one. But you see, as with all the signs that we've talked about in this series, remember, friends, as I've said uh, five times before today, and today we are on the sixth sign, it's not about what physically happens, but it's about what it spiritually means for us. And luckily for us, this is probably one of the more easier signs to decipher for Jesus. Why? Because this is the sign in which Jesus, for the first time, gets put on trial and has to explain the sign that one of the primary lessons we receive in this story and sign yeah. is that our perception often comes at the cost of distorting the image of God that is present within creation. And as we go, if you read this entire passage, the part that I uh, brought out is this, this tension between the Pharisees and the man, and they call the man's family up to trial, and then they, they speak to Jesus, and it lands in this last little area Mom. Mom. where we learn that the fallacy of the Pharisees Try saying that five times fast. The fallacy of the Pharisees is their lack of sight for the work and the image of God that is standing right before them. Right? Not just in the form of Jesus, but in the form of this man who was blind, who now can see. Right? If, if we're reading word for word through this entire first half of this Gospel of John, we see this rising tension become to come about, right? We talked a couple of weeks ago when the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders began to persecute Jesus and they wanted to kill him because of these amazing and miraculous things that he had done, these signs that he had performed. And we've looked at this nature of Christ that has come forth as we project and understand that Jesus Christ is our Lord, that he is this Messiah, that he is the word made flesh. And I think if we really think about that truly and honestly for a minute, we can understand why it was such a difficult thing for the Pharisees to understand. It's easy for us. We, can, we have the benefit of being able to start at the end of, chapter, of, the, of the Gospel of John rather than the beginning. We have the opportunity to know how the story ends. I'm not trying to make excuses for the Pharisees. I'm not trying to do any of that. What I'm trying to point us to is the nature in which this story begins to it, it it begins to show us and it begins to help us understand the divisive nature that Jesus offered in his time. And it really begins to point to this idea and this understanding that we talked about a few weeks ago, and this understanding of the sin of unbelief. The pushback that we see here is against who Jesus is and the nature in which Jesus stands in front of these folks as the embodied word of God. And so as we read these stories, one of the things that we think about and one of the things that we are drawn to is that we must protect ourselves from becoming like the Pharisees in this passage, that are spiritually blind. Right, It's no mystery that the more that Jesus proclaims himself as the Word made flesh, the more that Jesus proclaims this idea of Lord, of King, the very nature of God himself that he embodies, the more that he gets noticed from this religious elite, the more that Jesus pushes the bounds of how humanity understands and views God's creative order, This sign opens our eyes as we wrestle with what it means to be led by Christ. The spiritual sight that we gain through that commitment, what it means to follow Christ, what it means to follow God. And we see it all encapsulated in these first five verses, right? And so we read, so join with me. I believe I still put your scripture there on the page for you. As he walked along, that's Jesus is walking along. So remember Jesus is walking along all around Judea. He saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, whose sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now let me stop right there real quick. I'm going to get to the rest of it. Don't worry. I got another 40 minutes. So here we go, the important, look, the the funeral's not until two, I mean, we'll we'll order some pizzas. So the important recognition here in this passage, so we see the disciples asking this question, because in the Jewish tradition, in the Jewish understanding of sin, and and even pulled into our own Christian understanding of sin, right, we believe that sin is, is somewhat transferable through humanity. That is, sin is transferred generationally. Right, We believe that through Adam and Eve and their sin in the garden that we then are born into a world of sin, often terming this as original sin in our Christian context. And so in the Jewish tradition, they believe that if the parents had committed a sin, it could then also impact the children of those parents. Right, And we carry this into our own understanding of original sin that we are sinful because the generations before us have been sinful. All the way back to the sins of Adam and Eve. And we in the church sort of push this away by saying that Christ came to relieve us of that sin. And that through our belief in him, we shed the weight of sin. And then we put the the sort of qualifier on top of that. And as long as we sin no more, or when we do sin, that we ask forgiveness in a, in a truly penitent way, right? You know, you can sit with your pastor or maybe, you know, sit with God for a little bit. And it all comes to this point of inheriting eternal life. But here's the thing. I think if we look deeply in this passage, it gives us, gives us new eyes to see. It gives us new eyes to see, understanding this ideology that Jesus puts forth because when he answers that question that the disciples raise, Jesus says, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. Now we can believe that Jesus probably means, at least in a way, that would cause this young man to be blind. He was born blind so that the works, God's works, might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, remember, we talked about I am a couple of weeks ago and sort of that Jewish lineage and historical nature of I am. And so when when we hear those words, I am, our ears immediately perk up and we begin to hear as if God himself is talking through Jesus Christ. And this becomes important because it shows us that Jesus does not relate this man's physical disability to any sin, either in his life or in the life of his parents. Right, and truly, how could you blame it on his life because this man has been blind since birth? Why? This man is blind because of the unfortunate order of the world, right? We know and understand that unfortunately life Creation is fragile. People uh, People are born with different abilities than others. We each have different abilities. However, through this man's blindness, there is a lesson that we can learn about the nature of God. In the Jewish tradition, disability, because it was attached to this nature of sin, led to disassociation from the religious community. Right? We hear that this man was a beggar on the streets. He was exiled out of the religious community. And the only time that he re-entered the religious community is when he is healed, when they want to question him, when he does not give them the answers that they want, they kick him right back out. Sorry, that's part of the story we missed. Go back and read it. It's, it's, it's a good story, I promise. And so these middle verses follow that journey of this man going back before the Pharisees trying to explain that, no, I seriously, I am the same person who was begging, blind on the street, who he didn't want to help the other day. Now I can see again. It's because this guy, like his name was Jesus, like like let's talk about him because he made mud with spit and rubbed it on my eyes. They question his parents. Was was he really blind since birth? Right. What is happening to the Pharisees here? They cannot imagine in their minds the nature in which this seemingly ordinary man could do these signs in the name of God. And so they came to the point where anybody who had any attachment to this man could not be part of the religious community. Their spiritual faith was so blinded by what was happening right in front of them that they could not believe So when we come to these last handful of verses, we begin to see Jesus take a position of helping folks know and see the God that they are claiming to believe in is performing these miraculous signs, right? Jesus says, I came into this world for judgment so that those who do not see may see and those who do see may become blind. And the Pharisees are like, whoa, 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 are you calling this blind? Because, like, I can see you standing right in front of me. And again, Pharisees getting caught in this literal sense. They miss the sight of what Jesus is trying to tell them. All they can see is a man who claims supernatural abilities. All they can see is this man who has gained loyal legions of followers, who talks about overthrowing governments, who talks about the kingdom and the reign of God. Does work on the Sabbath, God forbid. Claims himself as the son of God. So then what are these Pharisees supposed to do in the face of all of this? The sight that Jesus offers is not about literal sight, though. And Jesus wants people to understand that. It is the sight that leads to eternal life. It is the sight of that which we cannot see. It is the sight of Jesus. It is the sight of the kingdom. It is the sight of God. The sin of the Pharisees that remains is that of spiritual blindness, Right, That religious understanding of God seems so small, so minute that it misses the mark of the true nature of who God truly is, the image of God that is laid forth for all of creation. And in one act by Jesus, this humble beggar, this man who was blind since birth, yes, his physical eyes have been opened, but even more so his spiritual eyes have been opened too. Because he has come to recognize exactly who this man that stands before him is. right? God does not cause this man's blindness. Let's let's return to that fact real quick. But God does offer healing to a physical blindness. And in doing so, points out the spiritual blindness that many experience. It's important to pause here because this is all going to culminate next week as we explore this nature of resurrection, the eternal promise of who we become. And this story is the final story that points us towards that sign. All of this calls us to take on this mantle of blindness so that we may truly see and embody the nature of Christ in the world the pharisees help us understand the path that spiritual blindness and rigidness can take us down because if we're not willing to see with the eyes of Christ then we lose sight of what god is calling us to do right this now, now this does not mean that we do not claim eternal life, right? We believe that we are justified through faith in Christ. But unfortunately what it does is it can do in our world irreparable damage. Damage that I think we are beginning to see as we look and understand that the way the people see the church, the way people see Jesus in the church... The spiritual blindedness that exists within our faith causes us to miss the true point of the kingdom of God that is being built here on earth, the role of grace, the role of peace, and the role of mercy that we as Christians, as followers of Christ, are called to be a part of. And we have become so blind to the fact of who Christ has called us to be and the work that Christ calls us to do. The vision that we receive is the light and sight of Christ that leads us with hearts and spirits open to go and live with the grace that God offers to us. As we go forth, we, we open our eyes to this understanding, this reality to see the world as Christ sees it. And so how is Christ opening your eyes? How are your open how are you opening the eyes of others to the nature of Christ within them? Amen.